We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the week 10 edition of Talking Yang. Jeff Erickson, Chris Liss here. I'm back from Arizona. Chris is back from his uh, existential trip in his mind. Uh, Chris, how was week nine for you? I'm not back. What you, I'm not back from that. Don't give misleading information. See, you don't know if you are. That's the problem. It's existential. <laughs> yeah, you don't watch the cartoon Rick and Morty, do, do you? I've seen like two episodes. It's pretty funny. Uh, it's funny when like he keeps getting busted. No, you idiot. You're in a simulation, and now we've got the passcode to your safe. And then like, no, now we really have that. Now we have the recipe to build this whatever. And then of course, like the recipe kills these guys in the end. But it's just funny. It's like, what's the simulation? Who's really in the simulation? Yeah. I love that sort of stuff. Uh, it's a, yeah. You know, I saw that. I was watching that actually in Vegas with uh, Katuria. He and I were uh, sharing a room. I uh, watched that. It was like late night TV or whatever, and there's no sports on during the All-Star break, and I didn't want to go to sleep just yet. So Rick and Morty it was. Yeah, it's just funny. I've watched It's kind of redundant. Like, they're all kind of the same, but it's, it is really funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, how was your week nine? I was all right. I went seven and six against the spread. I had good fantasy. So basically my teams are consolidating. I have like three good teams and a couple of teams that are bad. Or actually I've got four good teams and some bad teams. And so basically the bad teams do badly and the good teams do well, mostly. And that's what you want, right? You don't want everything to head toward the middle. You want to let go of some of the dead ones and develop and build on the good ones and so that's kind of what's been happening well at least you you can't really control that though sometimes like the crappy teams are the ones that start doing well in the second half because the guys that you were letting you down earlier or or were hurt earlier are coming back like you're going to get Fournette back this week probably uh, well so, that's too little too late i mean i'm just hoping yeah. the stake league which i've been slipping that he gives me a huge lift 
and I just get out of buying stakes. That would be enough. You know, I'm not trying to do well in that league. But all my other good, you know, like my good NFFC teams are doing well. My bad one lost. Guy went crazy with Mariota and Cooper on Monday night, but that's fine. That one was not going to win anyway, so who cares, right? That's You want to lose that one. You want to win with the ones that are uh, able to qualify for the playoffs. So things are going well. The lone pickle that's dead, that one actually did well, but I didn't really care. Uh, it was just funny to win with such scrubs. And Wavos is doing well. So I, there, there are you know, a few key teams that, I can cash, and I'm still pissed that you won by a tenth of a point. That would have been big if I had that win, but I, I still think we'll make the playoffs. And then I lost this week in Huevo, so I was ticked at that, uh, just by a couple of points, of course, too. So it goes around, comes around. Besides, you beat me one year on a, a scoring correction, so the tenth of the point was about appropriate justice for you. Yeah, well, whatever. As long as I make the playoffs and you don't, I don't really care. Yeah, well, you just care about making the playoffs. You don't care about me missing it, though. I don't. No, I don't. I don't know. We're not, it's not Yankees-Red Sox between us. You, you you hate everybody equally. That's true. I don't really have a rival, like a person that I, you know, I bet a lot with Dalton, so we have a little bit, but I don't have true hatred for him, you know, in a way that I would, I'd want him to fail as a human being. So, no. Do you have anybody that way in your home leagues? Um, in my home leagues, no, not really. I don't have any, I used to have more enemies in life. You know, I used to, when I was a kid, I always had an enemy. There's always somebody who, was my enemy and i don't really have one now just don't it's weird I, it's I'm maybe it's soft. because you are the enemy for everybody else <laughs> maybe you're I'm, the lightning I am, god. i'm my own enemy i'm my own worst enemy and everybody else's and no, to be I, an I, enemy I really to qualify as being an enemy enemy you actually have to be good you can't just be like this annoying guy but sucks you have to be annoying but good right and so like most of the people i find annoying aren't good and then some of the people are good, like could be like P and I and I, we bet and we argue, but like, you know, we get along. I don't see him as the enemy. He's, you know, he's a good player and sometimes I have to pay him money at the end of the year, but it's not like, you know, it's not, it's not that like heated or anything. I'm, I, I really don't know. in like the industry, I don't really have like a, a serious enemy. Okay. Uh, you, you make Twitter rivals all the time, but, uh, usually it's not industry guys. So. No, it's not rivals, it's just trolls. I just like to have fun with my trolls. You see that guy who loves you but then yeah me. I, I forgot to take you know i almost put the comma you know left the comment and said love you comma jeff but no. <laughs> that was one of my it's aliases fun. one of my one of my burner accounts i know exactly that's your uh one of your uh, burner accounts as you said it's just it's just funny i, I just lo- i mean i honestly enjoy like my like my 10 best tweets are just like quoting a troll and responding at, on his to like exactly what he's trying to do in my life. Like it, they, they are the most valuable source of material that you could ever have. Please. Hate equals loyal. At Chris underscore list. Please troll me. I, I, I seriously. Yeah. I don't engender the same hate or love that you get either. Well, the thing is, you know, the love is always from female listeners for me, Jeff. Of, That's of the course. Naturally. Yeah. Yes. Of the, course. The, the, uh, no, the trolls, the trolls are males. The, the thing about it is like, this one guy, this was really, I thought this was low. He trolled me. And when I mocked him with like one of those quotes, like I do, he blocked me. Of course. <laughs> so it was like troll and block. Oh, you can't do that, man. You can't get your punch in and then go run sucker punch and run. That is, that is not legitimate. Reminds me of a certain, uh, you know, uh did you see the Rufus Peabody versus RJ Bell thing today? I saw some of it. I think RJ blocked him because Rufus was critical. But the thing is like, Rufus did call him a con man, so I mean, yeah, that, I mean that's pretty the, strong. I mean, think about Rufus. Rufus, 
and I really like Rufus. I hung out with him in, in Lisbon for a while. And, you know, he's just trying to approach it like, listen, you know, it's just the ethical way to do it would be this. And he's correct, in my opinion. I but agree. You can't just say that to R.J. Bell, who basically tricks people into paying for bad picks for a living. Like, it's not like R.J. is going to come to Jesus all of a sudden and be like, oh, Rufus, you are correct. I see your point of view. What I've been doing is wrong. I will change my ways. Like, that's just never going to happen, right? He made the choice long ago. It's like Breaking Bad, right? When Walt like appeals to those uh, white supremacist guys and he's like, oh, you can't kill Hank. You know, that's my brother-in-law and all this. And, and Hank looks at Walt and says, dude, when they started shooting back, they made their decision already what was going to happen. Like they yeah. already made the decision. It's not like Walt's not going to convince them. As soon as they started shooting back when Hank showed up with his partner, that meant that like, they were going to kill Hank if they could. Right. I think and he even said like, you're the dumbest criminal I know or something like that. Right. Yeah. It, it's like he, they made their decision then. And, and you know, it's the same thing. Like a person who's in the business of getting money for, you know, bad picks, you know, there's something that's not going to give value to the customer or that, you know, it might give value to the customer, but you're indifferent. You've made that choice long ago. You're not going to go change your mind because, you know, Rufus is reasonably, you know, citing some ethical, you know, some good re- arguments about ethics, you know, it's just not, so it's kind of absurd, the whole thing, really. Right. It is. It is. And I'm sure RJ really appreciates you uh, comparing him to Walt going bad or to the white supremacist, <laughs> even, even worse. Yeah, he's like the white, he's like the white supremacist. No, but it is. If you choose a life of scamming or crime or whatever it is, and it's less, I mean, RJ's not like, it's, you know, you can just not sign up. I mean, it's not like he's doing something illegal. Um, it's, it's just, it's just that, you know that the product is not doing these people a service. So, you know, you can twist it in your mind however you want, but, you know, you've made your choice, and that's fine. That's your business. Um, people don't have to like it, but no one's going to convince you otherwise. They just lay, you know, lay it down. There'd have to be something really bad that would have to happen. You'd have to hit, like, rock bottom for you to change your ways. That's right. That's absolutely right. So, you know, and even then it'll be after the fact, like, oh, oh I should have taken your great advice. Oh, yeah, right. And uh, no, they wouldn't do that. Wouldn't do that at all. Uh, okay. We got uh, some stuff looking ahead. Uh, you know, I'm a Bengals fan. You know, it. it's not that I have a, any reason to be ever be optimistic, but my God, A.J. Green going down, that really sucks. Really sucks. Uh, because it, they, the de- the offense just is not the same without him. And that was the one thing that was good this year for the Bengals. They had a balanced offense. They had A.J. Green. They had Tyler Boyd going well. Mixon looked good. They were going to get Bernard back probably this week. He practiced yesterday. And now, no Green. I mean, I'm just like, ugh. And now we have to face the Saints. Good luck. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's a tough draw, but it is at home. And it's outdoors, and the Saints are coming off this major you know, defining win against the undefeated team. So I think it's a good spot to get the saints. If you're ever, it's, if it's ever a good spot and maybe it'll give them a chance to get John Ross going. Like I could easily see, like I wouldn't, he's the kind of guy you play in like a DFS tournament and he gets no targets or one target for no yards. And you're like, why am I playing this guy? Cause Marvin is just, they just don't, whoever the offensive coordinator is, um, they just don't call his number and maybe, Oh, he's not ready. Whatever. Just throw the goddamn deep ball to him a couple times. You know, AJ green's out your season's in the balance. You're playing a really good team. Just develop him. Now you got Boyd to pop. It took too long, but you finally got him. Just develop Ross. You took him with the top 10 pick. It's a second year. AJ green's out. Just do it. You know what I mean? Don't throw to Alex Erickson, your nephew or any of those other people. Just get the, get the ball into the guy's hands who can make plays. 
I agree with that. Uh, Bill Lazor actually is a smart guy. He, you know, with a full year of installing his offense, they're averaging 27 points a game. So, you know, they're actually, there's some positive things there. I I think he's actually legit. But but, I mean, maybe John Ross is just a total dud, but you got to find out. You got to get him in there. Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing is, he keeps getting hurt. That's why. I mean, that that's yeah. really the well. He's problem. always been so brittle, you know. Yeah, and Boyd is good. I think that was the yeah, other takeaway. I mean, you can't really criticize him for like throwing it to Boyd a lot because it was working. No, but it's, it's like giving like Garrett Blunt goal line carries. It works. It gets annoying. It gets annoying if you own uh, Carry on Johnson, but it works. Yeah, but I'm saying like there's not either or. There's no right. reason to totally not use a guy just because another guy's good. I could see Ross having like, you know, being the Ted Ginn role, the number three guy right. takes the top of the defense and he doesn't have to do it every game, but that should be something you exploit if you have it. And they were, and they, I think they were on that, on their way to doing that. You know, the Atlanta game, they were using him and then he got hurt scoring. And ever since then, yeah, it just hasn't been the so, same. So like that guy's so brittle. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, so every, every year I do first pitch Arizona, right? Uh, in Phoenix. And so once a year I do fantasy football, old school wise, and I go to like a, a sports bar to watch games. Cause you know, I don't have the package at the hotel, you know, I don't want to, you know, squirrel myself away in the room anyhow. So there's a bunch of us, we'll go to like, you know, whatever establishment there is and have a bunch of TVs watching. I actually kind of enjoy it for about three hours. And I think I kind of like the experience. But then after a while, like it's you're in this cave and your neck gets sore from craning up all the time. And you're looking all around, but it is kind of cool to do it the, the old way every once in a while. Well, it's the community, you know. Everyone else is yelling, and screaming. There's, yeah. It's not just you and your house. It's very isolating. Yeah, and it's just fun. There's beer, there's drinks. Um, I used to go and get absolutely rocked at some of those sports bars watching. <laughs> and the second wave of games was tough because you'd be rocked, you'd be sick from disgusting bar food. And you just be like, Ugh, I just got to get the hell out of here. I usually would leave. I usually didn't stay the whole six. Uh, sometimes with friends I would, but I used to go by myself sometimes and just end up like partying with these random crazy people who would just, cause you'd have to like share a table. It's so crowded. And we just, you know, Hey, someone wants us to do shots. Okay. We're doing shots. <laughs> that was, oh, I used to watch the games like that. You, yeah, you're a little crazier with that than I was, but I can't go to a sports bar by myself. I have to do it with people. That's the thing. Well, no, I would prefer, but like, I didn't have the, the package or something for some, for some reason. I can't remember. Uh, maybe I didn't have direct. Oh, I was in an apartment where I couldn't get direct TV or something. So I had to go and there wasn't always somebody who wanted to go, you know? So I was like, all right, screw it. I'll just go. And then it would be crowded. And then you had to share a table. And next thing you know, like, People are like, oh, yeah, yeah, dear, have some of this picture. I'd be like, oh, thanks. And then someone would be like, let's do shots. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're just, you're at the table, man. What are you going to do? That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the thing is, you do miss plays. So you, you miss drives, especially in oh, the early miss, games. You miss it like a whole hour of your life after a while. You don't even miss, yeah. it's not about the plays. You don't even know what, you know. Yeah. You wake, up, you wake up in a hotel room in another city and you don't even know how you got there. That's so funny. Um, yeah. Well, we, we do it differently. Let's just leave it at that. But, uh, you know, some of us had to get up and get in a car afterward, too. So unlike you, you, you pretty much walked or cab. Did you? Is that what you did? Or did you just? Um, I, that was the pre-Uber I, era, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't driving like that. I know that. I don't remember. I was either, don't you know, remember. cabbed it or some place that was close or something. I don't know. Right. Okay. So I, I just, you know, I, it was different watching a game like that. Um, all right. Enough of that though. Uh, I, 
it, it was a good experience, though. But uh, let's look at a little going forward here. Let's look at some of the stuff going on this week. We're guessing lines on the show today. I kind of like doing that, like you. I think that's been a you already you do it before I do, and then you quiz me on the show. And I actually kind of enjoy doing that process. I think it's you learn a lot when going about doing that. You try to guess game flows. Now we're next week. We need to add over unders. Okay. Yeah, totals are harder. I mean, to be hard for me. Because, It'd be harder for both um, of us, but isn't that the whole essence of what we do? Yeah, it is. I think it's a good exercise. I mean, one uh, listener wrote and said, you know, do the opposite. So if you think the total should be 50 and it's actually 54, then bet the over because you're... You're the one missing something. Yeah. Right. But I don't agree with that because the uh, presumption is that... And, and this is a, a fair presumption. I used to bet like this a long time ago um, where I'd say, look, I'm just going to take the... See what I think and kind of do the opposite because... You know, my brain is like everybody else's. It's influenced by seeing an amazing performance, by seeing a terrible performance, you know, all the recency bias, all the biases that other people have, you have too. And so if you think something, that's what everyone else is thinking. And if the line is off, it's probably because of your biases and go the other way. That makes sense. But I feel like because now I understand like yards per play, I look at the Massey Peabody stuff, which is just unbiased database rankings and, and because I know the way the NFL works, I feel like I'm not, when I pick a, a game, I'm not really the Joe public. I'm not like just confirmation bias. This is what I think. I'm more balanced. So for me to go the other way, I think I'd be sort of double counting. I'm already counting. I'm already trying to discount the bias in my initial line before um, I see the line instead of, okay, use the line to counteract it. So, so, do you look at like the the, the Massey Peabody indicators before or after you estimate your line? I, I look at them after, but um, but the thing is, like, I've seen them the week before, and they don't move yeah. that. I mean, they move somewhat, but like, it's like I kind of know which teams they like more than average and don't like more than average. They're not even having a great year, so it's not like a cheat sheet or anything. It's just, it, it's kind of just like an ADP. It's like a check on the reality of it because you know, there's a lot of noise in football stats and there's a lot of late game garbage time stuff. There's a lot of turnovers. There's a lot of defensive touchdowns and fluky things. And they iron out the noise a decent amount. They do a good job of it. That's what they do. So it's good to see sort of the noiseless. It's not noiseless cause they don't get it perfect, but a, a less noisy baseline for things and just have that in your head, even if it's not totally correct, just to be like, Oh, like this team is, you know, like Seattle, they had way ahead of where like most people had them. And Seattle actually has played pretty well. And there's some teams like that that it's like, oh, don't just assume. There's so many narratives. The problem is that with the biases, it sends you on a narrative. When you don't have enough data, your mind tends to make up a story because you, you know, it's sort of the premise of all, all we see is all, you know, all I know is all there is to go by is basically it. And then, you know, most of these systems are sort of like, well, we've seen something, but the sample's small and the unknown is big. So let's regress what we've seen to the mean. And you end up with very different numbers than your mind based on, oh, this is all we know. That calculation would lead you to believe. So I feel like you, you sometimes need a little uh, check, and I use it as kind of a check. Uh, but then once it's gone, I just use my observations and my knowledge and experience to sort of create my own line and then compare it to the actual line. How do you think that you do with your method, like adapting to short-term changes say for instance a team losing their center or some you know ma- some some big injury or you know, something that's some massive change yeah i mean you know you try to price it in you know what guys are worth so like if for example 
good, you know, I mean, this is a, a trivial one, but Tannehill gets hurt and Osweiler takes over the line move four for that. Right. If, if it were someone better like Stafford line would move like five and a half, six, if it were someone like Rogers, it might move eight, nine, eight and a half or something like that. Eight. And so you, you just sort of know what the number should be moved, but then you also think, okay, well, it's a short week and they're switching quarterbacks. This is, I'm going to bump it up a little extra, you know, it's a short week and they have to travel all the way and they're switching quarterbacks. Now I'm going to bump up even more. And you just sort of like, you know, it's just an estimate. It's not rigorous, but I try to just, um, account for the things that seem like, you know, they're important. And, and so I, I just kind of add or subtract points based on those major changes. Yeah, uh, I, I can see that. Uh, by the way, isn't it crazy that CJ Beathard's injury moved the line six points? It wasn't six. It was like it went from minus three to plus three, didn't it? I don't think it went all the way to plus three, did it? It kick off? I thought that's what I heard. That's what I was oh, okay. Told. Well, I saw it at like one. I saw I saw the Niners favored by one. I saw it like pickemish, but minus three to plus three is a massive move. It's not just six; it's two key numbers, right? So that's just, I don't believe that's just stupid. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, Beathard's not worth six more than anybody. I mean, Beathard is, is replacement value. I, I don't really see, I think random quarterback that played in college versus Beathard is like a point at most. I mean, I don't even see how that moved the line at all. Well, random quarterback in college didn't get drafted in the first place. So I don't know. Um, and Beathard had been with the team for a while, all that. Man, Mullins had never taken a snap. Yeah, I think that was, the thing. was a turnover machine. I yeah. mean, he, he was ineffective. It's hard to get that much worse. It's not like he was improving. He's been the same guy since he took over his first game. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that's right. But uh, that that's why, you know, I didn't even think about like moving my uh, pick my Niners pick last week. You know, I think I get to say that after the fact, so who cares? But, um, yeah, just it's it is funny though how much that uh, how much that uh, did move. I thought that was kind of funny, but it shows like how crazy are we are with quarterbacks. Yeah, I it I really it's it's such an interesting the whole quarterback importance debate is really it's one I'm really kind of fixated on this year. It's people will be like, oh, you know, look at James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, it didn't matter at all. It's like look at Carson Wentz, Nick Falls, that didn't matter at all. Like usually the quarterback will matter more, but you don't know which Jenga piece when you pull out is necessarily going to be the key one. That's you know, right. Brady got hurt last year. Garoppolo may have easily won, you know, gotten to the, you know, Garoppolo turned out to be really good. So you don't really know where the key piece is. And you think it's the QB and with Wentz, I mean, it seemed almost certainly to be, but it wasn't necessarily the guy. And there were years where like Troy Polamalu would miss a game and the Steelers defense would go from first to last. And, you know, was I don't know if that's you know uh, attribution error, but there was you know they, they, his on-off splits were massive, and so, and there's like you know second second order effects like okay well he's not here so this guy's got to move to this and right this other weakness gets exploited and then it's just the whole thing collapses. It could be something subtle, a subtle effect can destroy a huge amount of things if there's like you know second order effects and third order effects that that really spread out. Sometimes you pull the jenga piece and nothing moves, and it's. Again, the quarterback would be most likely to be that, but it's not always obvious. And uh, I think it's kind of fascinating, the whole debate. I also think that we talked about this on the XM show, that the real thing about QBs is not you have to have a decent one. It's you have to have a great one or you rent a decent one. or you. But when you rent a decent one, you have to be aiming for a great one soon. You don't stick with the decent one for too long. Right. You don't want to miss out on uh, Pat Mahomes because, oh, we've got Andy Dalton. We're fine. That's right. We're, we're covered for years. 
I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you know, if you have Andrew Luck, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Pat Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, Breeze, Rivers, Wilson, that's a lot of good quarterbacks. I'm, Matt Ryan's probably just over the the hump. You know, that's a lot of good quarterbacks in like Newton. Also, that's ten or twelve good quarterbacks. Cousins maybe is there too. Like, it's not like so rare. It's just that's what you got to get. And if you don't have one, rent one for the year to hope to compete. Ditch him the next year and get a new one. That's it's not that hard. There's only a third of the league has a great quarterback. The uh, the the scary thing is when you get uh, a quarterback that becomes great under a different coach. Oh, maybe the problem was me. Maybe the problem was you know our, our you know our coaching our, our the, the people around him. That's the thing. That's I think what the fear is and why people let you know hold on to average even a slightly above average quarterback Stafford. You know why they lock him up to that massive deal because you're afraid of the unknown. That, 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 that's never a good strategy, but it's what the, I, I think that's what justifies a lot of it, huh? Well, the GM doesn't want to go back to the, you know, the beginning because he's going to get fired before the team develops, but it's such a moral hazard. If I'm an owner, I'm just saying, look, if he's not great, get rid of him. How many quarterbacks have been great in their second stop? Not many. Breeze was, but they had Rivers, who's been great, so it's not like, you know, they had, you know, one or the other. I mean, Breeze may be better, but Rivers has been pretty damn good. How many quarterbacks have left the initial place and turned out to be great elsewhere? Gannon had a couple good years on the Raiders, but you know, he had been like three places already at that point. I mean, who name one that they've really regretted letting go. Yeah. Breeze is the obvious one. I mean, uh, but they had rivers. I mean, it's not like now maybe they shouldn't have drafted rivers. They should have drafted someone else and kept breeze. But you know, I mean, breeze has been in ideal conditions. He's been amazing, but rivers has been amazing too. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty good supportive in, in of your thesis. That's for sure. I mean, I can't, I cannot think of somebody that they let go that came back to bite them. Um. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you raise a good point. Seems to me like uh, yeah, you're you're in support of your theory here that they should be doing that more. If you're listening to the podcast, name one. Help us out. Help me out because I can't. I can't rebut Chris. I mean, Kurt thesis. Warner. The Rams got rid of Kurt Warner, and like five years later, he came back after being back up to Matt Leinart and resurfaced for a couple more years. But you know, they had like that wasn't even a close call. They had like definitely moved on from Warner at that point to to Bulger. Yeah, that's true. That is uh, Bulger. <laughs> wow. But that's the thing is that's that that's the that's the rare instance, I suppose. Uh, it wasn't like the Rams were like, oh, if you only had Warner, you could have had another run. It was like they were already like rebuilding at that point. Yeah. And, you know, he did it with Fitzgerald and, he, you know, a number of other. Good. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that, that's also, you know, he had great people to work with, too, in that. But more often than not, they're homegrown quarterbacks. It, it is interesting how that's, that's kind of worked out that way. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Yep. Cam Newton was super efficient again against the Bucks. Okay, it was against the Bucks. Uh, they've looked really good this week. I'm interested in this Thursday night game. Uh, Newton versus the Panthers, to me, this is, I mean, Panthers versus the Steelers. You know, two teams with, you know, really good quarterbacks, teams that are playing well right now. 
They seem to get better over the course of the season. What do you expect out of this game? Um, I I took the Panthers plus four because I, I made it three. I thought that it was just a, it was just a little heavy that line um, for roughly equal teams, but I could see it being four in a short week. It's not a long it's not a long trip, and the Panthers were home uh, the week before, so it's not like they're screwed up with the with the travel or anything. Um, I don't know. It's short weeks are kind of random. I just think that Newton is playing so well, and they have so many weapons. Curtis Samuel now, who can be a running back or a receiver. McCaffrey's a running back or a receiver. DJ Moore's a running back or a receiver. Olsen looks healthy. Funch is still in the mix. I mean, they're just loaded with talent on offense, and Cam is playing very well. And then on defense, they're playing a little bit better, and the Steelers' offense isn't on all cylinders quite yet. So um, I... I think it should be a close game. I mean, when you're getting four and you ask yourself, like, could you easily see the Panthers winning this game? Then you feel pretty good about it. That's that's a good way of approaching it there. I I think these ones are the toughest ones to call because it's two good teams. It's not like, oh, this team's a fraud. That team's this team's solid. No, you got two solid teams. It's one of a rare good Thursday night game. I hope it actually, you know, it's worthy of the matchup, you know, meaning like that the the Thursdayness of it doesn't really hamper uh, this game because this should be a good game. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings-Rams was the ultimate Thursday night game, but the thing is, the deeper you get into the season, the I think the worse, the harder it is to recover after the short week. That's right. Uh, so I'm, I am looking forward to this. Uh, Falcons are uh, playing the Browns, and I, I'm looking for, forward to this from a fantasy standpoint. I'm, once again, I want to start my backs on both of these teams. I really want to get a lot of uh, Duke Johnson going in this game, actually. I, I think Ito Smith is actually your sneaky play, your judge. Yeah, I think he's going to be a good play for you this week. The judge. Yeah, I mean, Coleman had a big game, too. I don't know. I think they'll both be fine. I think they're all, I mean, it's it's definitely not like a low, you know, Atlanta's usually in, involved in higher scoring games, but it could be weather. It's Cleveland in November now, and Falcons out of their dome. They did it last week against Washington, but I think this is a, it's not an ideal spot for their offense. It's not. It's not. It's not ideal. We'll see if Denzel Ward plays. He was hurt, and that would be huge if he's out. Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I've got a lot of Atlanta on my mind. I just I feel like they're a, a for the most part a pretty smart team, and they needed to adapt to things, and they have. And now I think they're coming on strong again. You know, they had a lot of close losses too. Overtime loss against the Saints. Close one against the Bengals when they were driving. You know, they they, they this team could easily be six and two. And they barely lost to the Eagles, and there's the same. They're the only team that came close to beating the Eagles in the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, and they and they should have won the Super Bowl the year before. This nucleus is still pretty good. Like, this is a this is a decent team. I mean, Atlanta's not. They're not a joke. So I agree. I think they're solid. I just think this is a bad setup for them this week. Yeah, you're right. Um, it might be. It might be. Actually, I think it's. It, yeah, I think. I don't know. It might not be a bad setup for him. I don't know. I, I, I'm just. I'm on them still. I guess a little bit. Um, I, I'm looking at your East Coast offense, and I like uh, your preamble about fantasy versus sports betting. And you're ta- we were talking about this a little bit earlier too. Uh, but I, this, I thought you're kind of on point here. That this is. It's at its greatest essence. You're choosing either or. It's on you. You have a. It's easy to track your record. I mean. Your your bank account is tracking your record for that matter too. Uh, it's a lot. It's, it's you're not setting any. You can't really like fix the books any certain way. It's absolutely. It's you know picking at its essence. 
Yeah, I mean, you can cook the books by being, oh, my four star picks are six no, and no. or my yeah. But you you can but, do it to your you can't do it to yourself though. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, right. You know what you're doing. You know how you're doing. You know if you're having a great year. It's, you know, you have a great fantasy team now and then when you have eight teams, some of them go right, some of them go wrong. Some of them, you just lucked into something. It's, it's fun, but it's hard to take satisfaction in the same way. And especially when you look at our jobs, like on the radio, like everybody's always touting their, their calls and whatever. And I'm always like, first of all, you made a lot of wrong calls and we're not hearing about those. Mm -hmm. Secondly, some of these calls are obvious. And, you know, third, did you really make the call or did you say this could happen, but it might not. And then just playing this could happen part and cutting off the might not, um, the hedging part. And so you get into this whole thing where fantasy is just such a, it's such a nebulous game where nobody really, you know, you, you're, there's no real defining success or failure in a lot of ways. I, I like the NFFC and these national contests in a lot of ways for adding definition. If you've won the NFFC main event or the NFBC um, you've, you've done something and it's measurable and you can track your finishes. But even those guys, like if you, if you put in 20 teams and you've got a top 10 team, like that's great, but you put in 20 teams, dude, like show the other one, show the net, you know, don't just show the, the best one. I, that's annoying about DFS too. But with picking against the spread, like if you're all in a grid, like staff picks, like we can't hide. You have a shitty year and you're 40 games under 500. Not only going to mock you in the intro, like I did Dalton every week last year, but your records there, you know, for everyone to see, I've been under 500, like three out of four last years or two out of four. I don't, I haven't checked exactly, but it's there. I can't hide. <laughs> if I lose, I lose being the book. It's transparent. And there's something also that's very nice about that, that you can uh, enjoy it when you're doing well too. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I've had both ends of that spectrum when staff picks, uh, and not to, I, th- I think, like four years ago, I was last, and I won a couple years, and now I'm just middling again. I mean, you, you get that full full range there. And I like that we have to pick every single game, too. I mean, there's a lot of luck, you know, so you don't want to get too, oh, I had a winning year, I had a losing year. Like, okay, well, people flipping coins will have winning and losing years with that sample size. But um, but we still have best bets, and I think the super contest with the five picks a week is good. And, you know, there's just, there's lots of good ways to measure it. That's, but is, I just, the transparency is the key. You know, you just, you can't hide your record, your record. That's right. Uh, yeah. So I, 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 yeah, hopefully, uh, and I had a good week last week. Finally, I'm catching, not catching you guys, but I'm getting closer to, you know, I think I finally broke 500 for the first time since like week one. It's been pretty bad, uh, this year for me, but, uh, hopefully it kind of, finish strong or something like get a better feel. I think this exercise of us guessing the spread ahead of time is helping me. We'll see. Yeah, it's interesting. And, uh, it, we got a long way to go though. And, and I'm not very far ahead of you. I, I was doing really well and I had one awful three ten in one week. And that really, <laughs> that really took a, a bite out of my record, man. That was, that did some damage. That's all it takes though. It's one, one really horrific. week can do that. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. I guess one outstanding week can have the opposite effect. Yeah, but those are hard. They're hard. It's hard to get a terrible week and it's hard to get a great week. You know, most of your, most weeks are between, you know, if it's 14 games, five and nine and nine and five. Yeah. Uh, watching, uh, one, one other thing I was talking about earlier in the week, uh, we were talking about Duke Johnson, how he got freed. Kenyon Drake got imprisoned last week. Uh, it's only seven touches. Very boring game against the Jets. Uh, apparently, he got blown up on a blitz pickup, and that's the little thing that we kind of look at sometimes, and we get we get really frustrated at. Uh, but it matters to the coach a lot. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Frank Gore. He just passed the, uh, an all-time great Barry Sanders on the yards from scrimmage list. 
Gore has really milked the decline phase of his career like nobody else. I mean, it's amazing um, how he has just been in this like declining phase, but not going totally off the cliff for so long. I mean, that's a real skill to be like slightly below average at your position, but not bad enough for it to overweigh, you know, uh, over, you know, way more than your, your fame and your well-likedness. It's tough to do that. You know, Eddie George just boom off the cliff. Uh, Emmett Smith, you know, he, he played forever, but that's probably not a good example. But a lot of these guys, they just couldn't keep it going for that long. CC Sabathia is the uh, Frank Gore of baseball. Is that what you're trying to say? And it's Felix Fernandez though, is C- the Eddie C. C. George. Sabathia, well, no, right. Well, yes, but CC Sabathia belongs in a rotation. Like, right. Because you need five instead of one. If you just needed one pitcher, you know, then CC Sabathia would be out of the league. But because you need five, like CC Sabathia is good enough. He's he earns he he merits a spot. I don't think Frank Gore, if the name on on his jersey was Balage, although that's a good name to have, I think, for a football player. Um, it, I don't think he'd be in the league right now if that was the name. You know, he would be out three years ago. He's just not good enough to to be meriting the workload that he gets. But because he's Frank Gore, and he's not terrible enough to be, you know, just a total liability. He gets the work every every year, and he's extremely durable. You got to give him credit for that at his age. Yeah, he does have. Uh, he's averaging four point two yards per carry, his best since two thousand fourteen. But yeah, uh, and his only touchdown is actually a receiving touchdown. It was in garbage time. Uh, I remember tilting a little bit because I have Drake in a lot of places. He's going to make the Hall of Fame despite not doing anything significant in the playoffs, despite never having been the best running back in the league. Despite not, you know, he caught passes early in his career, but he wasn't like Brian Westbrook or something like that. Not being one of the best pass catchers. He, he's not, he doesn't, he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but someone who's that well liked, who's compiled that many stats, is going to be in. You think, isn't it kind of hard to get in the NFL Hall of Fame? No, not really. Not you don't if think you're so? Popular, not if you're a popular player. I guess. I guess. I just see how, like, how they made uh, Terrell Owens wait. And I just can't no, think. but that's just that's because Terrell Owens is like persona non grata. Yeah, is that it, he was obviously a no brainer top five all time receiver, but they just they don't like him. Probably a bad example, so they, but I guess I've seen others. I'm kind of like, why isn't he in? Why isn't he in? But then again, you know, you know, Jerome Bettis got in pretty easy, and he was pretty yeah, because he was a, he was a media friendly. At least he won a Super Bowl. They should have lost because of him because he fumbled and. Ben Rothser made like a season saving tackle on the return against the Colts uh, in the AFC championship yeah. game. Yep. That was like crazy, but you know, but he at least won a super bowl. So you could at least hang his hat on that. You know, the, not that that, not that he was, again, it's not like he, the reason they won was because of him, but, um, but Gore, I mean, has he, he's been in the playoffs. How many times? Like a couple times uh, not many. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember my favorite Frank Gore playoff moment and don't have one. I wasn't he he was on was he on the team that lost to the Ravens I think he must have been right was he still on the Niners then um probably uh what year was that I'm bad with the years in 2012 this. then yes he was with the Niners then so there you go and he had a good year that year he was averaging 4.7 yards per carry that year had eight touchdowns so yeah there you go yeah so it's not that I really care but it's just noteworthy yeah. All right. Yeah, it's only three playoff years, 2011, 12, and 13. Yeah. Wrapping up uh, this this podcast, uh, I'm working on our ranks for in the value meter this week. Anything else you want uh, to talk about before we sign off? 
Not really. I just had uh, the Real Man Wood podcast with Dalton just before this, so I'm, I'm pretty talked out. What did you hit up there? Just give everybody a preview. Well, we handicapped the games against the spread, of course, and we didn't really talk a lot of other Yang. We mentioned a couple TV shows, and uh, that was really it. What are you watching these days? I'm watching Rick and Morty. Okay. I watched this show called Maniac uh, on Netflix, and it seemed like it was going to be really cool for the first few episodes, and it wasn't bad. It was just kind of a basic story in the end, told through some crazy, trippy storytelling. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like say it's bad. I wouldn't recommend it though. And we're watching this cooking show called Salt Acid Heat, Salt Fat Acid Heat, and I think it is excellent. Okay. Um, it is basically, um, it's not like one of those cheesy ones, like chef's table or whatever. It's not about the people and about the glamor and the personalities. It's really about the tastes and the natural places and the way that the flavors are used. And you, you become a better cook watching it. I think makes you think, and you really appreciate food and the places it comes from. I think they do a really good job. And one thing is, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, there's a lot of debate about vegetarianism and meat eating and all that I eat meat. Um, and I think at least for me, like factory farm meat is a pretty bad thing and a pretty evil thing, but meat itself, um, I don't want to say I'm sure of everything or morally speaking, but when you watch this, this, uh, this Netflix episode of, um, salt, fat, acid, heat, they take you to places in Italy and you see the pigs and the cows and they just look they're like beautiful animals. I mean, they are so well taken care of these animals and you just feel better about the whole thing. You're like, <laughs> I'm not saying here's this beautiful no animal. Let us slaughter it. Well, no, no, no. It's just like, they're so robust and happy and healthy yeah. looking and, and like walking around, like they're the king of the whole place. And you're like, yes, if you're going to eat meat and have, you know, eat an animal, this is the life that the animal should have. Not some horrible, you know, absolute torture in some tiny pen for, you know, their whole life never having gotten fresh air. I mean, right. shot up with antibiotics. And, and so you really, I don't know. For me, I, I was like, "This is nice. This is this is where your meat should come from." It's not really about that, but it's just a byproduct of they're showing the pigs and then the prosciutto and the pork belly and the bacon and they're and they cut it up like they butcher it. They show you how to do. It. I mean, it's like pretty. It's it's pretty real, but it's it's good. It makes it's, it makes you feel good about good clean food. That's good. That's good. I'm watching Ozark right now. Uh, Jason, I saw Bateman. the first one. I saw the first season of that. I I've seen four episodes so far. I like okay. it. I don't love it. Uh, yeah, you, that's how it is. It's derivative, but it's pretty good. It's like still very entertaining. Right. Right. Uh, and that that I mean, the fact is, we've seen Breaking Bad. We've seen I've seen Justified. Right. You know, seen the anti-hero genre. And right. But in the, in this, at least, they're done. They're broken after one episode. It's a little bit different. Uh, so uh, yeah, it, it's it's a dark and it's all shot in like dark tones too. That's the other thing. It's kind of different to watch. I'm, I'm fine with that. Well, we'll see if I stick with it. Um, yeah. The other one kind of been watching uh, is Sneaky Pete. Uh, we're in episode for, first season of that, but I haven't been like, oh, I got to see the next one yet. I'm like, that's oh, pretty good, uh, but yeah. it's uh, it's got uh, what's his name, uh, the guy from Breaking Bad, uh, the lead actor Brian. Uh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. He's in. He's not a major. He's actually the guy that's behind the whole project, and he's a character in it, but he's not the lead character. Yeah, uh, Dalton was mentioning it a while back, but I haven't heard about it since. Yeah, so that that's kind of what I'm watching. I always watch like well after they're done. It seems like I never watch anything contemporaneously, uh, so that hasn't really changed. Uh, there you yeah. go. Um, now that we've done what we're watching, I think it's time to kind of wrap this one up, don't you think? 
I'm good with it, man. We send it home. All right, send it in. Uh, and thanks for listening to Talking Yang. If you don't already subscribe to Rotowire, please check us out on a free 10 day trial. Talking Yang, I mean, to uh, rotowire.com slash pod. <laughs> All right, t- here's to next week. You're listening to uh, Talking Yang with Chris and Jeff. Thanks a lot. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.